Why don't you take your seats? We're going to go straight into the Word of God this morning. There's a, a clear word from God for us as a house today. Just preparing what is, just how He's leading us in the sermon series, but this week, I'm just going to share from my life, I've, I've really battled to try and hear what it is God wants to say through the message today. Sometimes the message is clear, it's there, and you get it, and there's a, there's a, just, this is what we need to say, but this week was a little bit different. I shared it with the leaders on Thursday night and said, sometimes you just need to say, keep asking, keep asking, and on Thursday, God brought me the breakthrough, and I'm going to start where we're going to end today with a call from God saying, awake, O sleeper, arise, let Christ's light shine upon you. That's where, at the end of the message, I want to end, but this morning during pre-service prayer, without anyone knowing what I'm going to share, there were multiple words with exactly that. An individual shared this morning that she had a dream last night of people in slumber and God saying, wake up, and people waking up. Lucy didn't know what we're going to share this morning, and God put that word on her heart this morning, that we would arise, that we would arise, that we would not let the waters of our life run lukewarm. So I love how Jesus is leading us. Isn't this amazing? So so turn your Bibles with me to the book of Jonah, where we're going to continue the study of this prophet. Who of you were here last week to hear the message? That's great. Ricky did a fantastic Incredible job to introduce us to Jonah and really to to tug out our hearts and say, are our hearts turned towards the call of God or do we, like Jonah, try and escape that? And today we're going to read Jonah chapter 1 again and we're going to be studying that together. And as I said, my goal is as we read this that God would stop at each of our hearts this morning and he would speak to us personally in our journey where we are with him. And there will be an opportunity this morning to respond to the word of God. I'm going to read from the ESV. It will be up on the screen. You guys can follow there. Let me start by saying this morning that we can all relate to Jonah. A man of God, a Christian, for a lack of better words this morning, follower of God who disobeys. Anyone fall in that category with me this morning? This is the beauty of the story of Jonah. So many of the other prophets and people that we study in the Bible, they're they strong and they stay strong and they finish so well. And, and, and you, you, you just think, wow, I had an interesting conversation with someone last night who said, a guy came to him and said, you know what, my pastor never sins. I'm like, well, I would like to go meet that pastor. <laughs> because in our human fleshly nature, we do fall short of the glory of God and we make mistakes. And we see this in the life of Jonah, the prophet of God who decided in his heart to turn away from God and run in the opposite direction. But I believe this morning we're going to see the lessons to learn from his story that we don't completely run away. But that we see the opportunities God gives to us to return and say, God, let your waters run in me warm and not lukewarm. Let your living waters run out of me cold like refreshing to the world. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to read and we're going to look at Jonah's life this morning and reflect that as a mirror to our own hearts. 
Lord Jesus, I pray as we study your word that you would lead us, Holy Spirit, that you will anoint it, that you would speak to us and that you will use me in whichever way you want to, to get us to a place where we are completely, completely lost in your beauty, your grace, your mercy towards us. I pray as we stop and consider our own lives before you this morning, that there will be a cleansing and a washing and a, as a, and a sifting as we heard that you want to do and that we would leave here changed forever by your love and your power in our lives. And the people of God say, amen. Let's read together Jonah chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. And they hauled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us, whose account this evil has, tell us on whose account this evil has come, come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased to you. So they picked up Jonah and hauled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The big twist in this chapter happens for me personally when Jonah has this revelation that I'm a Hebrew and I do fear God, the one who created the sea and the dry land. Yet, that confession of his belief didn't change him in that moment. 
And I thought about this. How many times do we live the Christian life? We go to church, we do the things, and our confession of belief doesn't match up to the condition of our hearts. We had an opportunity in that moment to say, you know what, all of this is happening because of my disobedience. He was sure that he's a Hebrew. We heard last week that he was a patriotic man. He loved his people and his nation. He was sure of that. He was sure that he lived in the fear of God, yet he chose against it. And what is really interesting about this story is how many times the word down comes, comes into the, the passage. And I've made a little graph for you because it says that there's Jonah and wherever he was in that point of time when God called him, he went down to Joppa. He was in a place of higher elevation and he went down to the coast. And then the Bible says that he went down into the boat, into the ship. There it is. And when he got into the ship, he went down into the inside of the ship. He took the little ladder or whatever there was for him to go down into that. And as if that wasn't enough, when the sea became tempestuous, they threw him out into an even lower place of descendants, and they hold him into the sea, and then eventually he goes down into the belly of the fish. Like, can you imagine how this massive whale just went straight down? And this is why I'm calling my message this morning the descent of disobedience. The Bible speaks so many times and so clearly of being called up to God, going up onto the mountain of God, walking in, in a rising and a waking up. It's all the opposite to what we see in Jonah's life, where he was on a slippery slope of sin. Down, down, down. Sounds like a song. Boom, drop the mic. Is there a song like that? I don't know. Isn't it crazy? Just intentionally just going down, further down, further down. The Bible is clear about the depths of hell and Hades and Shul and all those things that's down there for us to go towards. And somehow this man of God, who knew that he's a Hebrew, who knew that he feared Lord, the Lord, who walked with, with God, who was used by God mightily, decided that, the slippery slope of sin is more appealing than following hard after the call of God in his life. Disobedience is simply disagreement with God. Think about it. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and speak a word to the people. No, thank you, God. I don't agree. That's literally what it is. We try and make it a, a complex thought, disobedience. The word of God is our, our boundary lines. The word of God is our plumb line. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet. And we have to walk it in such a way that we agree with it. So disobedience isn't anything other than us as mere humans saying to the sovereign supreme God, thank you very much, but I've got a better idea. Right? And how many times in our lives do we do that? where God is speaking clearly to us through the, the study of his word or through someone coming with an encouraging prophetic word or a, a sense in our hearts that we need to live like this or go this direction and then we think we are better and pride comes in and we're like, thank you very much, God. I'm going down. 
I'm not going to respond to the call that you have for me. That is scary to me. (laughs) To think that we want to face Almighty God like that. That we would say, God, I disagree. I know it says it there. But you know what? Times have changed. Culture has changed. This doesn't stand anymore. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. This is the word of God. Breathed out by God. Every word in it. So what it says is his truth. And I'm not going to be disagreeing with it. Because I want to be living wholeheartedly after him. And every word he said. And be in his presence forevermore. We spoke about it this morning. Psalm 16 that was shared. At the, 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 the hand of God in his presence is pleasures forevermore. There's pleasures on this earth that we could enjoy, but it doesn't last. It's short-lived. If you want pleasure forevermore, you start living according to the word of God and start agreeing to what he has given us as followers of Jesus. And here we see Jonah saying, no, thank you, God. I think I've got this one figured out. I'll do it a little bit differently. And then he flees. From the presence of the Lord, yes. But I think in that he actually flew from his community. If you think about it, he was a prophet of God. They knew him. And I'm sure that they, in his community, they would have told him, hey, Jonah, uh, you aren't listening to God at the moment. So he tried to get away from anything that could challenge his conscience in his heart and say, I just, I want to get away from all of it. I, I want to get away from almighty God. How silly. And then he has this revelation that I fear him and he created everything. So I don't know how he even thought that he could get away from the presence of the Lord. And we see five lessons from Jonah, Jonah's disobedience, which is the fruit of disobedience. And I'm not going to spend much time on them, but it's important for us to see them this morning. And I want you to really open your heart this morning and say, God, is there any lukewarm way in me? Is there anything in me this morning that says, yeah, that's me? Because what I love about the story of Jonah, he had multiple opportunities to repent and go back to God, yet he didn't take it. And I believe this morning there's an opportunity for each one of us to grab hold and say, God, we want to be awakened and arisen to you again. The first thing that we see is that this disobedience is costly. He paid the fare. Who of you can relate to that item that you shouldn't have bought? Thank you. There's one honest hand. I love it. (laughs) More of you maybe? Well, you just knew I shouldn't be spending this money right now, but ah, I think I deserve it. I'm going to take it. Or that transaction you haven't made. And in your heart, you know God is saying, hold on. I remember once when I heard how um, an individual said that every transaction they pray about. And we say, God, is this how I spend my money? And I thought, yeah, that's... But then I realized that is what a Christ-centered life is. It's like everything I do, Jesus, do I do this in honor of you? Do I do this in a way that it'll bring you honor? Or is it just plain, plain thinking and plain sailing? In the end of the day, it was costly for Jonah to be disobedient. I thought if I was him... Okay, I'll run away from God, but I'm not going to take some cash out of my back pocket. That's just stupid. He had an opportunity there when he got into the the ship to say, okay, let me save some cash. I'm going to go back and say, sorry, Jesus. Yet he was in his heart so captured in his disobedience that he even paid money for it. 
And so many times in our walk, when we, we do fall in the slippery slope and the descent of disobedience, it costs us more than what we bargained for, right? He was willing to fund his disagreement with God. I didn't, I wrote it down, I, I just read it now. I'm also like, yo. <laughs> the second thing we see is that disobedience leads to calamity. Said here that there was a mighty tempest so that the ship threatened to break up. These guys on the ship with him were in calamity. There were waves and a storm, and it was terrible. And later on, he even said, I am the very reason that you guys are in this storm. It's almost like he's kind of proud of it. It's like, yeah, it's me. I'm the reason why this massive storm is happening. Some of us are in storms of our life, not because of any other reason than our disobedience. Because we've let the slippery slope get hold of us. I remember a friend, pastor of mine, once told me the story. In his study years, he lodged with an elderly lady as a student, stayed in the house, and um, he was studying theology. And she naturally took advantage of the young pastor in the house for having to pray for her for certain things. So daily he had to pray for this lady. She'd wake up, it was probably part of his lodging fee. Would you please pray for this? And then he would pray for her the next time. And there was a season that she really struggled with gout. People know what gout is? And she, she would constantly ask him, please pray that Jesus would heal me. And, and he would pray and he would pray and she wouldn't get healed. Until one day he had the revelation. He said, Tani, you're not going to get better unless you start eating better. I can pray for as long as I want, but if you eat pudding every night, your gout is going to continue. She was in the storm of that because she decided, you know what? She didn't want to change her lifestyle in a way that would affect the outcome of it. And we see this with disobedience. We end up into, in a place where there's calamity. And I want to be like King David who say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. Before I say, X, Y, and Z is the reason for the calamity that's come upon me. I'm going to start with myself. Say, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way. In me. The third thing that his disobedience does, it affects close community. Then the mariners were afraid. Sadly, when we fall down this slope, this descent, those who we love and those around us get affected by it as well. Especially if we continue in it. So many times I love stories. I absolutely love stories. I love watching movies. I love plots and, and, and creativity and all of that. And there was a season of my life where I was like, you know what, anything goes. It's a story. Regardless of how it was packaged, I like the story. And God challenged me deeply. He said, Pierre, you can continue in this road, but it's gonna bring indifference to you and your family because you're exposing your soul to things which is anti-me, which is in disagreement with me. And I made a decision years back to say, Lord, this is where I draw the line. The first moment they blaspheme, I switch it off. The first moment there's any hint of sexuality, I'd rather switch it off. Because what am I feeding my soul? 
Because if I keep doing that and go down that slope, it's going to affect my family life. It's going to affect those closest to me. And I don't want to sign up for that. I want to be a man who leads my family well. And therefore, I'd rather let those things which is in disagreement with God fall away because it's a temporary pleasure. And the pleasures in the presence of God is life forevermore. And that's what we are after. So our disobedience gets to a place where those around us get hurt through it. And we see it in Jonah's walk. It's gonna get better, hanging there. Fourthly, disobedience offers a false sense of comfort. This one hit me quite hard. But Jonah had lain down and become fast asleep. He's allowing his disagreement with God. He started to convince himself that this is actually all right. So much so that he is fast asleep in the boat when the story is quite clear on how tempestuous the sea is and the boats back then weren't built with stabilizers and all these other things to make it comfortable. I can imagine he was pretty much rocked around crazily, yet he found a sense of comfort in his disobedience. I'm actually all right. He made a conscious decision to say that, you know what, yes, I, I ran away from God, but I'm safe now and I'm okay. Isn't that crazy? How we could do that, that we would say, God, we turn our back on you and so much so that we get to a place where we actually feel comfortable in that space. I love how the, the, the captain of the ship came to him and said, dude, you're sleeping and we're sinking. He says, what's with you? Are you stupid? It's the way it's written. It's like, it says here, it says, arise. What did it say? Um, arise. What, is it? what do you mean, you sleeper? I'm trying to think of slang words to say. What do you mean? It's like, are you crazy? You are sleeping while everything around you is sinking. It's because he became comfortable in his disobedience became a safe place for him to linger. And then God comes and he steps in after giving him multiple opportunities. He paid the fare, he could have gotten out there. Got into the boat, he could have stayed on the top and see the storm, but he probably knew that God was gonna deal with him, so he ran further down into the ship. And he fell fast asleep, even amidst the storm, and he made himself comfortable sitting back, sleeping, like a baby, multiple opportunities. And then when the captain came to him and said, dude, you're sleeping, there's a storm. He had an opportunity there to tell the captain, you know what, I'm the reason for the storm. Yet he went back up and the guy said, hey, tell us about you, where are you from? And he has this revelation that he is a Hebrew and he fears God. And then still he doesn't say, hey guys, I'm sorry, I'm repenting. He kind of still try and be strong. So much so that the end result of his disobedience was there was a contrast and disobedience contrasts our humanity and God's supremacy. He waited so long that all that was left for God to do was to come with his supreme power and send a fish to eat this guy. And I stopped there and I'm like, God, if there's any disobedient way in me, don't let me wait that long where I come face to face in my humanity against the supreme God that you are. 
that I end up in the belly of the fish. And isn't that how we do it? We wait till we're faced with death before we say, okay, God, maybe I should come back and start agreeing with you. Maybe what you said all these years and what you're still saying is actually the best way of living. I'm yet to find a man or a woman who lives every word in this book and doubts that it's the full truth. If you find that person, bring them. You're not gonna find them. Yet the world says, nah, some stuff in here that we don't agree with. And in moments like that, God comes and he says, okay, I've given you your opportunities to repent. Now I'm gonna show you that I am God. I am in heaven and you are on earth. So now let your words be few. And he swallowed up Jonah in the fish. Some scholars believe that Jonah actually died inside of the fish because he says, I was in the belly of Shoal, which is an internal damnation. It's hell. It's a place away from God. And that he cried out to God from that place and God resurrected him and then the fish spew him out. That's maybe why Jesus said, the sign of Jonah will be given to you. But I'm thinking as just pure a normal oak here in Somerset West doesn't have to go to Nineveh where they skin people or massive things. Just live my normal Christian life and do the work that he has given me. I don't want to get to a place where that contrast between my humanity and God's supremacy is so strong that it almost ends up in death for me and for those around me. And here's the twist. Here's where it starts changing. We're going to study Jonah's prayer next week as a second opportunity to see how he went through this. But listen to this scripture, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. To walk in the uphill climb of obedience is much better and God prefers that than our singing, our giving, our reaching out, our laying down our lives for the kingdom, whatever it is and whichever way you sacrifice, God delights more in your obedience than what you can do for him. And this morning, as the worship team come and join me, there's an opportunity for us to respond to his mercy again. We respond to him week in and week out through our singing and our sacrifices and our giving. But I really felt that this morning, and this is a personal, that's why I said preparing a word like this in the week isn't easy. Can't stand here and preach it and not allow that to wash over me and challenge my own humanity first. But all that God wants this morning is for us as a house to say, God, we're gonna obey. We wanna live in agreement with you. Before we sing another song, before we need give another rant, before we have another life group meeting, we wanna be a people who obey because that is truly what you delight in. It's interesting to see that nowhere in Jonah's story was there a sacrifice for the sins he, he lived. He didn't strike up 
a, a lamb and said, God, forgive me. All he needed to do was respond in obedience again. And he was right with God again. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts this morning that you need to respond in obedience to him again and say, God, yes, here am I. My feet have slipped down the slope. Maybe once or twice, maybe a thousand times. And I'm down at the bottom and it feels like in my humanity I'm up against the fullness of you. You don't need to make any sacrifice for your sin this morning. You just have to respond and say, God, I want to obey again. I just want to obey again because Christ Jesus, the gospel message, the good news is that the full price was paid. And even though we were sinners, yet still sinners, he died on the cross for us. And I want to grab hold of that again in my life. Say, God, I want to obey and honor you in a life of complete obedience. One last thought, and this links back to where we started this morning. This blew my, my heart out when I discovered this. I said, God, how do I end a message like this? It's a strong word of warning. It's a strong word of testing our hearts and our spirits before you. That's the beauty of preaching through a book. I can't just choose what I want to say and make it easy and comfortable. We've got to preach what it says here. And my eyes fell on Jonah 1 verse 6 again, where the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise. Arise out. Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps he will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And then I realized the parallel we see in Ephesians 5. Listen to this. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. The captain challenged him and said, maybe your God will share a thought for us. And the answer is that this God of heaven almighty has shared a thought for us through Jesus Christ. So the question is, will we arise and let Christ's light shine upon the disobedience of our hearts? That's the beauty of what he wants to do in our lives this morning. He has spared a thought for us so that we shouldn't perish through Christ and through the cross. Isaiah 28. Your dead will live. You who lie in dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is as the dew of dawn. And this morning, I'm going to read, I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read for us from 1 John, a few verses. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Lucy led us this morning to say, let the light shine on Jesus. And Jesus wants to respond and say, I'm going to let my light shine on you. Listen to the word of God. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what's amazing about the story of Jonah? I don't know if you knew this. His dad's name means truth. Jonah's story started with a man that was called truth. Jonah's name means dove. He was called to be free in God. To go where God has called him. Think of the correlation between the Holy Spirit that descended as a dove. Someone that was meant to bring comfort to people. And that dove ended up in the belly of a fish. Because he allowed darkness to take hold in his life. Ephesians 5 again. Therefore, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And here's the promise. And Christ will shine upon you. Holy Spirit, we ask you in Jesus' name that you search our hearts so that we can see if there's any slippery slope of wickedness in us. We pray that we will awake again this morning to everything that you have for us, that we will arise from our sleep and our slumber. Lord, for us who might be in a place of comfort, even in our disobedience like Jonah, sleeping fast asleep, Lord, we want to wake from that sleep and say we want to be a people who walk in obedience because our obedience to you is like a fresh aroma of praise. It's more beautiful to you than anything else we can do on this earth. And we want to be a people who walk in agreement with God every day of our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we consider ourselves for a minute, and as you search our hearts, that you would speak to us this morning. Thank you, Jesus.